Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Welcome back, Christopher. Thank you. It was I've been away so long, and uh, Marcus stole my job. Uh huh. But now you're back. So I'm back. glad that you're back. Uh, I'm Justin Barney from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. Together we're Cinebuds, and today we are talking about the new Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch. It began as a holiday. Eager to escape a bright future on the Great Plains, Arthur Howitzer Jr. transformed the series of travelogue columns into The French Dispatch, a factual weekly report on the subjects of world politics, the arts, high and low, and diverse stories of human interest. You don't think it's almost too seedy this time? No, I don't. Decent people. The French Both Dispatch is the 10th movie from Wes Anderson, as usual. It has an absolutely stacked cast. We got Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Francis McDormand, um, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Henry Winkler. Um, oh, can I just say... When I saw him, even though he barely speaks, my heart just warmed. Oh, I know. I Jeffrey Wright, Timothy Chalmay, um, Willem Dafoe. I mean, it has everybody in it. The story itself is based on the magazine, The New Yorker. But this is the French Dispatch. Started in Kansas, but it is uh, placed in, in France. It follows three kind of anthology stories. The first one of um, a, a prisoner who is a fantastic artist. The second one of a young revolutionary. And the third one of a gourmand who is part of a kidnapping in the end. And uh, and it's all part of the French Dispatch. These are all articles written by writers in the French Dispatch. And that is what it's about, headed by Bill Murray. Um, it is tradition. It's Wes Anderson. It is beautiful. It is very fast paced. Um, Christopher, what did you think of the French dispatch? It's a very impressive movie and I did like it quite a lot. Uh, it's hard not to appreciate yes. all that went into this movie. Seriously. It's like every single shot. Some of the, like there is a scene where they show an art museum in a cornfield and you're like, yeah. This corn had to grow, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, it is it is absolutely staggeringly dense visually, and with with from scene to scene, the just the amount of work that is put into this movie, it is it would be I, I yeah it would be impossible not to appreciate it. No, for sure. I had so many thoughts <laughs> about oh. the, while watching this movie that it became challenging to keep up. So uh, we'll talk about that in the podcast, but um, I will say overall, I genuinely think his movies get more and more beautiful, like visually beautiful every time he makes one. I genuinely think you can track how (laughs) incredibly stylish they get as they go on and on. I agree. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I, I think that, I think coming in, I'm a bit more of a, an Anderson fan than you are. I was I was kind of worried that you weren't going to feel that way. But I, you know, coming out of this movie and every Wes Anderson movie, there just, there is nothing like it. 
There's yeah. nothing like it. No, There's right. nothing like him. Uh, you know, every single time I come out of it, I think, thank God that he made another one. What yeah. a joy. What a joy to watch, to sit there, in, to be in the theater, to see scene for scene. It could have been on mute and I would have loved it. Sure. I know that some people think that it's more style over substance, but I thought that there was substance there too. I thought the three stories that they told were very good and compelling and had arguments to make in themselves. I like the substance just as much as I like the style in this movie. I really loved it. I do think, yeah, I do think there was more emotion in this than in some of his previous films, which is something that I, I, that's bit my biggest criticism of his films is that stylistically I understand it's a choice for a lot of these characters to be very stoic, but, and that he has that in this one as well. But I do think there were more that, uh, you really could, um, emote with. So I thought that was a, a plus for sure. Uh, we're going to talk more about French dispatch after the break. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and associated bank. Proud supporter of Milwaukee Film and offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. Like listening to Milwaukee-produced podcasts? Then check out Radio Milwaukee's innovation podcast, Diverse Disruptors, hosted by me. Tariq Moody. We talk with entrepreneurs from across the country that are innovating for a more inclusive world. Listen at RadioMilwaukee.org slash Disruptors. Diverse Disruptors is presented by University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Northwestern Mutual, and United Way's Tequity. Okay, we're back. Oh, surprise. We're back, we're back, we're back. Um, Okay, this movie, Wes Anderson, there, uh, Wes Anderson's Fresh Dispatch. Yeah. There is, in every Wes Anderson movie, you know, I always, I, I listen to a couple of interviews with him about yeah. this movie. And um, some sometimes somebody will ask him, like, did you go in, you know, are you aware of your style? And are you trying to make a Wes Anderson movie? And he's always like, I don't know how to not make a Wes Anderson movie. This is just how I make movies. Right. And I believe that with him um the Wes Anderson style is so stylized it's so uniquely Wes Anderson it's so colorful there's so much motion in all of them I think that this one is tighter than all of the other movies to the point where it's like it's just going so fast there's usually a point where he starts off with like a full head of steam and it's so precise and the motions are so direct. And then eventually he kind of lets up and the storyline kind of lets go. Yeah. And you get to like a, a second or third act that's a little more free. And it, he, there is, there's, there's, Zero of that in this. This one is, it's the tightest movie that he's ever made. I think for, for some people that might be a little exhausting because the pace is so fast and it comes at you and it never stops coming. Yeah. But, um, I love that. I, I really, I, I really love just being like, let me rewatch this at some yeah. point and I'll pick up stuff that I missed. I, I mean, well, two things. One, I think you have to rewatch this movie because mm -hmm. it is so fast. There was stuff that I heard and then was appreciating. And then I realized, well, three more things just happened. Yeah. So it's definitely something you have to really focus on because there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of narration, which is, I think there's good and bad things to that. I think that that rewatchability is a huge part of this because I'm not a yeah. big 
rewatcher, but I will rewatch a Wes Anderson movie because, sure. you know, and especially like this one, there's so much to pick up on. There's, it's so dense that, that it, it'll be a joy to rewatch like yeah. two, three, four times. You'll pick up something new every time. I mean, I think there are some films that benefit, not only benefit from rewatching, but also like you will benefit from rewatching. Totally. For sure. And I agree. I don't, I, I am of the school of, oh my gosh, I only have seven more minutes to live on this planet. I can't, I already watched mm-hmm. that. I need to do, I need to do a I new know. thing. There's <laughs> so much. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always like, oh, should I watch, could be watching something new. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But I'll also say about what you're saying about how he, he goes and goes. And then in some of his other films, he kind of lets it go free for a while. I think right. the, the structure of the story may be, is why it didn't do that is because there are oh, three yeah. stories you go yeah. up, 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 and then there's chaos. And then you go back to the beginning and you go up, 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 and there's a little chaos. So I do think, um, I benefited from that structure of this sort of anthology that he does. I think so too. Cause I think that's like one of the things that he does so well is crafting every single tiny frame. Every, yeah. every single second is, you know, is compartmentalized and 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 dense down and i think in this one he did that with the story itself yeah you know where usually it's like it's scene by scene it's like visually he's doing that in this one in the narrative he pulled it together and he he built that really tight little dense narrative that he does in you know in every scene then another thing i think benefited from the structure is that because he uses Every actor that he can get his hands on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are every film. I feel like he's like, let's add five more big name actors. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I, and this has been a criticism of some of his films for me, not many, but some of them is that there's just too many because you're underusing these people. <laughs> like there's someone in there you see for two oh, scenes yeah. and you're like, I would have loved to know more about that character, but there's too many characters mm-hmm. to get to. This is interesting because it's short stories, essentially short stories wrapped around an overarching, uh, you know, uh, concept. Yeah. But because there's, it's like a new, uh, here's a cast for this part. Here's the cast for this part. So you do get to see them shine in those roles. I mean, there's still plenty of people in this movie that don't like, like Willem Dafoe is in there. For no, say. no good reason. <laughs> I mean, other than he has a Just great face. He, right. <laughs> and, I mean, it's lovely but, to have him. But occasionally we'll talk about like the economy of character. And there's yeah. really nobody that does economy of character like Wes Anderson. I mean, he, you know, he's, and that's his kind of his whole thing is like, here's this person. Here was their family. Here's why they're doing what they're doing. And it's so direct and it's so straightforward that, I think that he does, you do get a lot out of these characters. I mean, when, you know, there's, there's a scene in the last one where he's talking to this chef and the thing that the chef says is it hits, Yeah, yeah. you know, and normally if like, if you, if you don't, if you have a character that's underdeveloped, when they say a line that's supposed to hit, it doesn't hit. And when his characters deliver these lines that are supposed to be impactful, they do hit because he's done a great job of that. So, so rigidly and carefully you know, economizing this time and making it so deliberate that you yeah. you do get these characters. And because he creates a world in which you don't go by the rules of a normal narrative film because mm. normally you'd be like, oh, that character builds because of all this stuff. It's very like, I don't want to say cartoonish, 
because I think that's dismissive, but it is very stylish. I mean, we keep using that word, but it's a different tone to this film than most of them. So the fact that you you can get away with that in his film because he's all done all this work to make this world so different than what we're used to. So then when you do have like this emotional note from someone who you haven't heard from, it's kind of like refreshing because everyone's so many characters are so stoic. You get the few that aren't that really hit you. I think Timothy Chalamet, I think Jeffrey Wright Mm -hmm. uh, are two good examples of the ones they got to emote more than other actors in the film. You know, along with that, I, I really loved some of the, I love some of the plot points in this movie. The first one is about Benicio del Toro is this prisoner who makes art And uh, I loved the dynamic between him and Adrian Brody. And I loved what that said about, you know, the the commodification of art, the the way that, uh, you know, and this is about the press and, you know, that's, you know, my life. And so it's like a lot of these like, you know, rang super true with me about, uh, you know, it's in that first one about like the how value is manufactured about, you know, art and how abstraction is exploited, how narratives are peddled. I, I thought that it was it was really a clever commentary on art itself. Yeah, for sure. I think that story, I also thought that storyline was very fun. Um, it was very fun. Yeah. It's interesting thinking about his film as a comedy. Um, it's really interesting to think that there are comedies that I laugh more at like i don't laugh a ton at um wes anderson film i am more impressed like i find it funny i get the humor and i enjoy it um Mm -hmm. but i don't laugh out loud i'm more it's it's more uh, i guess an (laughs) i hate to use this phrase but it's more of an intellectual funny it's more artistically funny yeah but because of that it puts it in my mind into a different realm of comedy which is a very it's an art comedy. It's, <laughs> it's an artistic yeah. movie. And I think this movie possibly more than any of his films is an art film. Like there are yeah. like, if you, it's a narrative, it's very accessible. And it's funny. Cause I kept seeing these quotes about how this is the most crowd pleasing of all of his films. I, I disagree. Holy. Oh, I disagree. Who said that? I, there was a quote I saw. I was like, well, the most cloud peasing Anderson. Sometimes people just say stuff, you know? I think that's the case. Because, and I don't, I do think that crowds will be pleased. I do think that a lot of that's, people will love this movie. Dude, but there's like, so many artistic choices in this that are like, oh, that's, that's very, very fancy. <laughs> that's a yeah, very intellectual like, way to do dude, that. Sometimes, sometimes I will, I remember like, reading uh i read the carl of nausgaard series which is a seven volume autobiography and it's incredibly dense super high literary super like very difficult to read and uh, all the blurbs on the back were about how readable it was and i was like (laughs) i was like no i was like this is just this is just patently not true and i think sometimes with you know, they, they try to like counteract it's like its own density by saying it's crowd pleasing when it's yeah. like 100% not. How do we sell this book that no one wants right. to read? <laughs> Let's say it's crowd pleasing. It goes in under knowing your narrative yeah. and then trying to counter that. But it's very impressive. This reminded me of a of some films that it shouldn't have reminded me of, like this <laughs> um, Wes Anderson's film. So well, I, I love I really appreciated it for that. I, you know, I was so ready to be 
counterpointing um, your criticism. I just felt oh, yeah. like I felt like you were going to come in and uh, talk about and, and not love it. So I, I, I am really, it. I'm really glad that you that you <laughs> loved it. I mean, yeah, I did love it, and it's weird though. And here's where we'll do the part that you were expecting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because actually, not it's not really. I went into it also concerned because there's a couple of his films I've gone into thinking. I just think I'm going to get tired of this. And it's just weird because I love a stylish film like this. I love mm-hmm. the, I love visually, I can't get enough of his movies. Yeah. But there's something about it that doesn't connect to me, my heartstrings usually, or something like that. Not always. Most mm-hmm. of them do. Mm-hmm. But as he goes on and on, you know, et cetera. But um, I thought this was a different film for him. Like it's in many ways, very, very much a Wes Anderson film. But like I said, there was a little bit more artistic choice. I also, the writing in this movie is maybe the best I've ever seen from him. And I know it's not just him. It's a a group of people that write it um, in this particular case. But the only problem I had was there was so much. And we talk about how dense it was. was. So much. There is so much talking. There is so many things to absorb. And some of them are downright brilliant and genius. And I, you don't even get a moment to savor it. There's a line, my favorite line in the movie, I think, because I didn't hear all the lines. (laughs) (laughs) Because how can you remember all the lines? Right. But it was a very simple, very funny and structured so well. Is he's Timothy Chalamet's character says her large, her large, stupid eyes watched me pee. Yes. <laughs> her large, stupid eyes watched me pee. I that's genuinely funny because it is phrased so strangely and nicely. And, and also it, because it's like he's writing a were- poem. Well, and before that, they were, and it, you may have missed it, but yeah. Francis McDormand was talking about how uh, about his writing and how it was it was poetic and in a bad way, yeah. you know, and, and 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 was talking about you know his writing in general, and it's like, and that made sense, and I loved how he was this young revolutionary figure who um, really like didn't accomplish month much other than like being good looking and uh, kind of like causing a stir. And uh, um, he has a manifesto that's poorly written that Francis McNorman, like, you know, fixes up. There's, you know, descent in the ranks. And then, you know, at the end, they go like fast forward into the future. And it is like there's a capitalization of his anti-capitalism, which I think is a great point that they make, you know, and it's like kind of like built on, you know, that line is one little example of how like imperfect he he was and how like amateurish he was but also it like you know they did a good job of like capturing his spirit as a young revolutionary it's yeah. like it said so much the my favorite i will say my favorite part um was uh the jeffrey wright part uh where it talks about him uh oh, i God. i jeffrey wright and i almost can't explain it is one of my favorite actors uh, he does not get the spotlight in films that I want him to have. Like, yeah, I, I remember I first saw him in Basquiat, which I was at the perfect uh-huh. age for that to affect me like intensely. And I, yeah. <laughs> and that was like before, like, I feel like that movie actually made people understand who Basquiat was. And then all, then after that, oh. you know, buttons and posters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But 
his every time I see him in something, la la, like Henry Winkler, uh, <laughs> I just mm-hmm. get so excited that he's in it. But with him, I mean, you just watch him speak, and everything he says hits. Uh, it's subtle, or it, it doesn't have to be, but it often is very subtle and very nice. So the fact that he was narrating his his story was delightful to me. Well, they I listened to this. Uh, this interview with him and Wes Anderson and David Remnick from The New Yorker. And uh, there's a scene where Jeffrey Wright is walking through this, um, or is it an auditorium, a school? And uh, and he he's walking through it and they were going to have voiceover go over the top and they were like, oh, it doesn't, it, like in the scene, they had like filmed it like two or three times. And then Wes Anderson was like, Jeffrey, you need to say these lines. It, it can't, we don't, we don't I don't want to do voiceover you have to say them. And it was like the last take of the day. And Jeffrey Wright just like sat down and was like, all right, I'm going to memorize all these lines. And it's like super dense Wes Anderson dialogue. And then they have him do the really, really long shot where like a million things are going on and he just nailed it. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's very impressive. And his, he has a lot of dialogue in this movie. Yeah. He talks about how he has a, he can remember everything he ever wrote and then they test him on it and he just starts reciting. That, and that's such a great way to like get that exposition out. Yeah. You know, how to be like, this is a, this is a, a movie about writing. How do we just have somebody yeah. read something beautifully written? And then to have him say, oh, I have this, I have this memory, sit down with a talk show host and the, and they play a gag on it. Yeah. And then he tests the memory and then he does something as ludicrous as asking him to recite an entire thing that he wrote. Right. And then he does. And that's the story. It's yeah. like, it was perfect. Yeah. Another thing I want to point out is uh, the, uh, you always have to have Tilda Swinton in your movie. You know how you always have to oh, have Tilda oh, Swinton in your movie? Um, oh, yeah. It was a great scene. Uh, I mean, it's a series of scenes where she's uh, giving a talk in an auditorium and she's telling the story of the painter in the first section. There's a moment where she leaves the podium and goes out and has her drink. She has a drink and she tells a a much more personal anecdote to this story. And the audience is kind of shocked. And then she goes back to the podium. Like it was an aside, like a straight up aside, but everyone saw it. And it was, it reminded, there was like a Marx brothers bit where uh, Groucho talks and talks and then he looks at the camera and steps forward and says something absurd and then goes back. And I was yeah. like, I am certain that was went through, went through Wes Anderson's mind when he made this. Cause he's so, he's so knowledgeable. Like his, if he makes a reference, you know, it's going to be from something as solid as the Marx brothers. I know. And, and, and you great. know, it's like, I, and I love those references and, and like, I, I, I just saw these uh goya paintings it's goya's black paintings yeah. at the prado in in uh in madrid and oh he... just a little travel <laughs> drop oh, i happen to be in madrid i'm gonna hang up the phone <laughs> but he he the black paintings are like the most famous goya paintings and he painted them on the walls of his house and they had to figure oh. out you know oh and they had to figure out how to get them from the house into this museum. And uh, they do. And I was like, I, you know, I don't know what else that could be a reference to that other than these paintings. Yeah, that's got to be. That's very interesting to know. Um, I want to talk about one more thing. Yeah. Which is that the this is what was happening in my head while I was watching this movie. 
Yeah. I'm watching this movie. I'm impressed by so many aspects of it. <laughs> and I did like the movie. Let me be clear. I really, really was impressed and really liked this movie. But I kept thinking. But. <laughs> I just kept thinking, what is Wes Anderson best at? What is he what should he be doing? Is filmmaking, which he's very good at, is oh this God. the only thing he should be doing? How I've said this before. Be I've said, I mean, it is filmmaking, but maybe there's other yeah. stuff. I've said this before when I saw Moonrise Kingdom, which I, that's notably the one I very much disliked. I didn't care for that okay. movie. But right. when I watched that movie, I had, this is the first time I had the thought is he should write a play. There should be a stage production of something he does. Oh, there's almost a play. There's a play in this movie. You're right. There was one in Moonrise Kingdom too, and this and there was one in Rushmore. I yeah, mean, there's so many reasons. And but even when I'm not watching the play scenes in his movies, I was like, this should be a play because he has so many set pieces and visual oh, effects that are so practical. Many great, yeah, there was so many great scenes in this where they just pulled the backdrop apart. Yeah, exactly. Imagine yeah. how expensive that would be to do, and how unbelievably popular a play by Wes Anderson would be. How has this not happened? So there's that. Secondly, listening to like the, the bits of uh, narration I could wrap my head around Mm. (laughs) when I was listening, I'm like, I would love for him to write a book. This would be amazing as a book. And it would be even more amazing as a book with a ton of illustrations. Which I don't think there happens are, enough these days. It starts to. There are books that come with illustrations for adults. Now, I'm not talking about a child's book. Right. Uh, but that needs to happen more. And this would be a wonderful book uh, with with illustrations. I agree. Wes Anderson, we want more content. That's- yeah, you're lazy. I think is what we're really saying is like, you could be doing more Wes. Hey, you're great at movies, but also, you know, and you know, I was watching this and I, I was like, how much time has gone from, you know, Isle of Dogs to this. And like, how is it even possible that he had this much time to create every single freaking set in yeah. this movie and do all this? Get off Where's your you penny farthing bicycle all right. and write a book, do a play Wes. There's plenty All of time right. to tie your bow ties later. <laughs> I could go. I could go on, but I done? think you get it. <laughs> I think you get it. Um. All right. French Dispatch, playing at the Oriental Theater. Do you know that? Um, Darjeeling Limited by Wes Anderson was the very first movie I ever saw at the Oriental Theater. Really? Yes, and I I've seen every Wes Anderson movie there since. Oh, that's great. That's a perfect place to see them. I am very happy I saw that in the theater. As we will discuss in what else have you been watching? Oh, okay. So cliffhanger. Yeah, I got some stuff to talk about too with that. Good, good. Um, all right, French Dispatch, Oriental Theater, watch it. Yeah. All right, let's get to our favorite segment, Christopher. What else have you been watching? Well, as you know, I was enraged that you brought anyone else onto the show besides myself. Oh, yes. I, and yeah. I love you know Marcus. What? I love you know Marcus. There was times now. where I thought, wow, this is <laughs> might be better than Christopher. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish it wasn't Marcus because I love him dearly. And now he's my enemy. I was like, oh, this guy doesn't care that I talk. He, <laughs> it's, it's like he understands that that's part oh, of the dynamic. <laughs> I mean, Marcus, after like a few episodes, you'll start to see that it, it chips away at you. <laughs> it chips away. It just takes a minute. It's like, okay, okay, we get it. 
We get it. You went to Spain. <laughs> no, I was delighted. I listened to it. Almost, I listened to the episode, by the way, almost immediately when it was available. I saw it posted. I was oh, like, I let's that. listen. It's great. Um, but I did because of this, because of the episode, I watched Dune almost right away. Yeah. What'd you think? I, I liked it a lot. I really, really liked it. Um, There's a bit of hesitation in there. No, the only hesitation is my fault. I am very sad. And this is what I was referencing a minute ago. Ugh, you watched it. I watched it at home. Phone. No, God. I, I've only watched one movie on my phone ever. And I and it was one I'd already seen. It was fine. Um, no, I watched it at home. And it was not f- the way to watch it. No. I mean, the whole time I'm, the whole time I'm watching it, I was almost every five minutes going, this is I should be watching this in the movie theater. This is yeah. primed for a movie theater experience. It is. I was surprised that they released it on both. I mean, I, I, I like too. I understand, yeah. but it, and and they went through like all these things. Like you can watch it in the IMAX. You can watch it with like this this like sound experience or whatever. Yeah. And uh and uh, you know our theater was like half full, and I was like, I bet because everyone's just watching this on HBO. Yeah, yeah. It's very unfortunate because I uh, I did love it. I'm a big fan of Dune. Um, like know that. like Marcus, uh, I was really glad to hear him push this so hard. Is the book is fantastic. I am I like sci fi in movies, um, mm-hmm. but I don't read a t- read a ton of sci fi. I, I don't either. I've, I've read a little bit, um, but Dune was wonderful to read. And there's a whole series of books that I've heard are spotty, but the first one, the the book is uh, just Dune is amazing. So. The funny thing is I'm actually a fan of the David Lynch version, even though it is notoriously supposed to be bad. I'm a fan because it's very enjoyable. It's still that story just lends itself, as you said, to like world building. So even though it wasn't done the best and it was like David Lynch was sort of like a middle finger. I know that a lot of people like it. I've always been kind of afraid to watch it because. I mean, you know, I. I don't know how you would come to it after having seen this now. Um, yeah. But I want to watch them back to back if I can, to be honest. Yeah. I I'm glad I didn't because I was so I was so pleasantly surprised by yeah. every beat of that movie. And yeah. I loved not knowing anything. It's such a different uh, – it's – I mean – it is. I mean, they're made in very decades far away from each other. So mm-hmm. I don't even want to say the tones are that different, but they there there's obviously huge differences in the movie. And I don't think David Lynch was even excited to do the movie when he was asked to do it, and, which is yeah one of the few times David Lynch is like not on point. <laughs> um, but I yeah, I thought it was beautiful. I thought the tone is beautiful. But he, his other David Villanueva um, or Villeneuve, I'm sorry. Um, Dennis Villeneuve. Did I say David? <laughs> David New City. This is how I call him. Um, uh-huh. No, nice. uh, his. Can you speak French? <laughs> yeah, well, you know a little bit. We we. Um, um, when he did uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I I've never wanted to hate a movie more because I loved Blade. me too. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I can't believe I came out of that. I just like watched it one night and I was like, I'm just going to watch this just to, because I feel like I need right. to. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, that ripped. After. Yeah. It was really good. And the, he has a very similar tone in both films, like lighting wise. And yeah. The, the, anyway. Um, so I think, I, I think he did a really good job with Dune. This was impressive. And it was interesting to see that this was just the first half 
I thought at the yeah. beginning it said part one. I I never saw a part two, and I'm like, oh, okay, the whole movie is part one. They must be playing right. part two. So very excited, very excited about it. Cool. Yeah, I watched a couple of horror movies. Yeah, for because it was Halloween. Um, but like, I I think I would rather um plug this book that I just finished. Um, did you ever read Jim Harrison? Oh, weird. This is weird that you bring this up. I just, really? I just put a bunch of his films. I mean, I'm sorry, his books in my list to get right away. <laughs> and I can't wait to tell you why, but you continue. <laughs> no, tell me why. I was watching Roadhouse. <laughs> I was watching Roadhouse. And as I do. Very seriously considering getting a Roadhouse themed tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the reason I watched the movie again. And in one of the scenes, Patrick Swayze is reading a Jim Harrison book. That is not really, that is not exclusively why I want to read Jim Harrison. I've wanted to read him for a while. A lot of my friends are big fans of his work, Uh, but this just prompted me like, Oh yeah, I need to read one. And if it's in roadhouse, you know, it's going to be good. It is so funny. What, um, very strange. What book is he reading? I couldn't tell because you can just see the uh, his name. Um, but then oh, I, yeah. I looked at some of the uh, the covers, and I think I narrowed it down to, to the one he was reading. I can't remember off the top of my head. but That's so funny. I didn't even know that he was like an author of fiction and, and poetry. Yeah. But I had – when I was – I was reading an Anthony Bourdain book earlier this year. Yeah. And he – and he mentioned he mentioned Jim Harrison's book, A Really Big Lunch, which is the greatest name. Of yeah, the book. that is good. And and then I I had like saw it in a bookstore and I just like put it in uh you know, I, I put it in my Amazon cart and was like, you know, when when I when I'm ready to read something. And then I ordered it from Boswell, as yeah. one should. Perfect. And um and I got it and it's all about it's it's a, it's about food. It's about a really big lunch. And it's a collection of his writings. And normally, a collection of of writings, uh, like over the span of ten years or so, is normally not that great because they're all they're from like different publications, and there there's no like connecting narrative or anything. But kind of the connecting narrative was food, and just the way yeah. he's so poetic as a writer. He's yeah. like he's a poet first, and he talks about that. And um, he's so he's like romantic about everything. The way that he talks about food is so fun because he's also very funny. And so it's like it's a perfect mix of kind of like poetic, romantic beauty and just kind of like gnarly, grisly, funny um, dude. Yeah. And uh, and so it was really good. I really, really loved it. The way he talks about wine made me like want to drink a lot more wine because his whole thing is like he's like eat as much as you can drink as much as you can you only have one life you know like do it all blah 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 and uh it's very very good i mean the way you describe it makes perfect sense why dalton in roadhouse would be reading such a book very poetic (laughs) philosophical but yet manly and grisly at the same time i mean Give it a rewatch, guys. <laughs> oh, I love that connection. <laughs> All right, Roadhouse. Yeah. I guess that would be another uh, another one that I could put on my list. I did rewatch Roadhouse very recently. I had a group of people who came in 10 minutes into the movie. Into the movie movie, not into the trailers. Into like oh, the yeah, movie yeah, head yeah. was 10 minutes in. 
um, which and they sat down behind me and then talked the entire time. What? Yes, I thought of you. There's a picture of you oh. in the Oriental, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, that picture is funny because you were never the one that would be talking, but. Oh <laughs> you'd be God. you'd be the police. I'd be stealing. Uh, no, I was. I like like Timothy Chalamet came on. And they're all like, "Oh, God, he's so hot." Seriously, the whole time, just like the, and I was like, uh, I, 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 it was. It, there's already. It's like a movie where you gotta like focus on what's going on. Yeah, and I was just like in their conversation, and I wanted to be like, "Oh, that's the worst." Let, let me leave. I it's, almost got up and moved. But yeah, I, you know, but I didn't. Oh my gosh. If Cinebuds represents anything, listeners, it's <laughs> that shut your mouth when you are in the theater. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You know, like Look, I get a couple of like you lean over, you whisper a comment or two. Tops. That's fine. A That's couple fine. of beats, I'm okay sure. with. Sure. You know, like keep it quiet. Yeah, a couple punch ups in the movie, you know, yeah. a couple like. A couple outbursts, like, is, no, is not fine an and not warranted. An not an outburst. Not, Never okay, not an outburst. Quiet whisper. A gasp. Yeah. A laugh. Sure. Oh, yeah. A those, quiet whisper. Those are expected. But shut up. You're not there. Chattering? No oh. one cares. Yes, he's handsome. We all know he's handsome. That's the whole reason they have him there. I mean, he's... <laughs> Yes, he's very talented, but we get his jawline is shocking to you. Just shut up. His Just hair is thick. It. Say it later. Yeah. Bring a notebook and write down all your comments. Share them after. But how is Go to it- Ma Fisher's. That's yeah. what Ma Fisher's is for. That's right. It's there for pancakes and talking. Yes. But honestly, when you're in a movie theater, why did you pay this much money just to gab? I know. And you're ruining things. So if- uh, people, if you're listening and you have children, teach them that. If you are a child, uh, learn it and then tell your parents because maybe they didn't learn it either. True. Spread the word. Right. Spread the word. <laughs> Love ending on this. <laughs> yeah. <And> rage. <laughs> PSA rage. Yeah. All right. Cinnabuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. Woo! Our theme song is from walking musician Brett Newski. He's also known as the Newsk. We get handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. Interesting. We are supported by Associated Bank. Oh. And thank you to our members from Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And... Uh, I have... <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's it. I think, I think we nailed it. And Is there something my, else? <laughs> and the prisoner that paints me nude occasionally. <laughs> Who is this? Thank you, Christopher Butler. What? Me? Listen, I want to say something at the end here. Okay. I never, uh, you've never thanked me uh, for a podcast ever. Mm-hmm. I'm all, I, uh, today I'm surprised mm-hmm. that you did. I've never heard you thank mm-hmm. me before. But last mm-hmm. time when Marcus was on, I did hear you thank me. It was kind of a throwaway. I mean, <laughs> I, listen, it I, I appreciate it. Wasn't, it. it wasn't. It, it, I didn't feel. I didn't feel it. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being ungrateful. It was kind of a throwaway. <laughs> this one was better. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs>